Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-Community.com. All right, let's get started. Micah 6.8 He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Yeah, thank y'all both so much. Um, and great job, Clara Wells. You know, uh, it can be a little nerve-wracking here getting up in front of church people. You know, I know all about that. Um, so we're going to dive into a new series this morning. Um, is this still hot? Nope, good. Okay. Um, and before we do that, a few things. Um, I'm going to tell you what building we're looking at, because uh, most of you know anyway, I think, at this point, but <laughs> or many of you do. Um, it, you know, on the one hand, as we've been leading up and thinking like, ooh, this is a good space, seems like a good price, hmm, that's exciting, uh, but we don't want to announce something that's like, ah, but it might not work out. Um, you know, I don't want to get our hopes up for something that's very unsure at this point. Um, but in addition to most of y'all knowing something about it, or many of you at least, um, at this point, I think uh, what I'd like to do would be to invite you in specifically uh, to pray over this space. Um, so God has answered our prayers several times already where we have uh, asked together specifically um, that the folks from this space would contact us. They kind of, they went dark on us for a little while. They ghosted us um, and uh, not, not fully, but we prayed. And then within 24 hours, I think both times, am I right on that? Within very soon after praying, uh, they contacted us. Right? And I uh, said, we'll get back to you next week. We'll give you a quote. And then we prayed again last Wednesday at CORE because like, we hadn't heard from them with the quote. And then we heard from them again. Uh, and so we're supposed to sit down with folks tomorrow uh, to talk through the quote they gave us, which is a good deal higher <laughs> than the price that we talked about at first, which is what made us so interested at first. And so uh, we would love for the Lord to open this door specifically with the Morton Theater downtown. Uh, it's a great, great space. Uh, and uh, it looks like it would be a great fit for us. Uh, and as your pastor, um, I really feel, believe that this is where the Lord is leading us. Uh, please don't hear that in any way as a person saying, like, I've heard from God, <laughs> like, right? Some, uh, some word that, uh, you know, is inerrant in any sort of way, right? God speaks that in the Bible. Uh, but I think this is where God is leading us. And so I think this is a great opportunity for us to pray together. Uh, to put our desire before the Lord together uh, and be vulnerable in that way. He might not provide this space. It might not be uh, what he has in mind. Right? He might have something totally different. Uh, I may say the Morton Theater to you, and you're like, ooh. And the space he provides is like, well, okay, we can work with that. Right? Uh, really, regardless, uh, we're going to have to work with some stuff. 
if you've been in the space, you probably immediately are like, hmm, okay, what's going to happen with the kids? Uh, there are some great spaces. We're going to have to be creative, right? So I, I think Kathy sent out an email uh, even this week saying, hey, start communicating with your kids. Some things are going to have to shift with the Grove. And I think in there was like, you know, communicate that some things will change and some things will not change. We don't know what will not change. <laughs> so uh, you're going to have to flex with us a little bit. Regardless of where we go, one of the best spaces that we've seen for kids still had some significant challenges. Uh, so there's nothing that we've seen so far unless you give us a tip via that tip line uh, that has five classrooms exactly the same sort of way that we have right now. Uh, so we're going to have to think differently, uh, and my request to you would be to pray uh, for your family, for your own hearts in it as well as we step into something that's like, hmm, okay, we're going to have to be creative, we're going to have to be flexible uh, with this sort of regardless. So uh, pray for the Morton, pray for some flexibility, uh, pray for the Lord to provide again. Um, and last thing, just as we dive in, uh, just because we talked about core for a moment, uh, last week was like all the controversial things at once. Right? Let's just kind of get it all out there. This week's not that controversial, so feel free to come and have some fun with us if you want to. Uh, and by the way, if you were there and you felt like, huh, I'd like to ask a question, always feel free. would love one-on-one uh, -on -one or whatever to uh, talk some more about what this stuff means. Okay, So, all right, kids, glad you're in the room this morning. Uh, we're going to dive into God's Word. Garrett is going to aim to be shorter we're gonna have some fun, all right? So let me ask you this, uh, uh, children in the room, when you hear this word, what do you think? Feel free to yell out at me. Flourishing. What does that word mean? Hmm, Shep says he doesn't know. It's, is it, what do you think? We got another I don't know? Flowering, wow. Makes you think of a tree growing. Okay, those are some pretty good guesses from the front row. They're not plants. I mean, sort of, I guess, you know, uh, our kids and Wells kids, maybe you're kind of plants up here. I don't know. Grow. Yeah, good, good, good. So, yeah, flourishing, that word, floor, flourish, is related to flower, right? Uh, the idea of something flowering, blooming. And I found a cool video uh, that I thought would give us a view of that. I tested it on Thursday. Let's see if it works. Isn't that cool? You get to see it all at once as opposed to having to sit there for weeks or months or whatever it might be. That's flourishing right there in a physical sense, in the, in the biological world. That's flourishing, right? We're going to talk about flourishing a fair amount uh, this morning uh, because a lot of God's word kind of relates to this idea of blooming, flowering, flourishing. Not necessarily like a, an actual flower, but in our lives and through our lives as well, right? So uh, at the beginning, think about this. God made everything, right? He gives us this, this story of these seven days, right? In which he makes everything, and every day he makes things. And what does he say? Does he say, uh, God made the light to govern the day and the light to govern the night, and it was pretty decent. Is that right? No. No. What's he say? God made all the animals, and it was meh. Is that it? No. What's he say? It's good. That's right. Exactly. Good job. That's right. He says it's good, and then he makes people, and he says people are 
very good. It's the only thing he says very good about, right? And if you were to look at the, the language in which it's written, Hebrew, it's like exceedingly good, super, super good, right? Uh, and people were good, very good, and were meant to reflect all of that good of God himself uh, out to the world, right? Reflect God's love out to all creation, out to all the world. Uh, reflect that God alone is worthy of worship to the whole world, right? Reflect the goodness of God uh, to all. And then what happens? We chose. We chose something different. The most perfect person ever, except for Jesus, made one of the worst choices ever, right? Uh, in Adam, all humans chose to be the ones who decide what is good for ourselves, right? God says, wait, 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 no, I'm the one. I'm the one who teaches you what's good and bad. And we said, nah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We tried to be God ourselves, but God would not leave us there, right? Okay, if you tried to be the son, would that work very well? No, would not work very well, would it? What do you think would happen if you tried to be the son? Not much, huh? Not much at all, right? I do not emit light, and neither do you guys, although you're pretty great. You're pretty great, right? How about this? What if you tried, you'll probably like this one, what if you tried to be the parent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might like to be the parent for the day, but if you tried to actually replace your mom or your dad as yourself, right? Think about all the things your mom and dad do. They drive you places. They help you get your food and maybe even dressed, help you get your clothes, etc. right? We couldn't replace our parents, could we? No, wouldn't work. All right, so if we can't replace the son, we can't replace uh, even our parents who are other people, how much more is that gonna be true of God? When we try to replace God, that's gonna go really poorly, isn't it? God says, if you try to replace me, everything's gonna go bad. And that's what we see, right? People are not gonna treat each other right. We'd be broken inside also and never really get in this world what we want or what we need. And God says, if you, if you do that, you're gonna be separated from my love. You're gonna be separated from the good. And so God gives himself in Jesus. Right? Jesus takes on that separation that we all deserve. He takes it on himself. And when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes the full penalty of all of us who tried to be God, but now trust in him. Right? The Lord takes away that heart that thinks it knows what's good. And he gives us a new heart, right? a new heart that loves him, that loves what's really good, God himself, right? And so when we trust like that, God totally takes our penalty, right, for our sin, right? That's a, the Bible just calls it sin. When we try to be God, when we try to decide what is good for ourselves, do we still mess up? Anyone? You still mess up? 
Whoa. <laughs> that was a little too celebratory on the front row there, actually. Yeah, we do, right? I still mess up. My parents, I mean, uh, my kids can uh, attest to that daily, still have sin daily. But slowly, not just the penalty, another P word, power over our lives, right? The, the power of sin over our lives is broken slowly but surely throughout our lives, right? That old bad heart that used to command us and we obey, Jesus slowly changes it, slowly makes us more and more like him. And we say, no, we want what's good now. And one day, here's the third P, right? Presence, power, oh, nope, I gave you the third P uh, right off the bat, right? Penalty, power, presence. One day he's gonna take the presence of our sin completely away from us as well. It won't even be there. We won't want anything but good and to do good. And we call that day consummation, which just means to make everything finished and perfect. And it's where the whole story of the people of God is going. You know the end already. In that day, right, all complete, all perfect, everything is going to be like that little branch you saw up on the screen, flourishing, right? Flourishing, good in every way, uh, like a flower blooming. Again, doesn't mean flowers everywhere, although, hey, maybe. In heaven, maybe there's gonna be flowers everywhere. I know someone who might like that started bouncing immediately, right? Uh, it means everybody, everything, it'll be fully as it's made to be, fully, Right, everybody, everything, uh, doing the best they could be. When somebody walks up and say, says, "Hey, how you doing? How's it going?" What do we almost always say? "How you doing?" Good. Okay. Good. Fine. Okay. Right. I don't know. Half the time when people ask me that, I'm like, oh, hold on, let me rack my brain for what's happened within the last day, right? Uh, we're doing okay, we're doing good, right? In the new heavens, in the new earth, when God brings everything to fullness and completion, the answer will always be great, great. And this is really cool, right? Uh, not only has God taken everything there, but he says, uh, right now, God is bringing Little bits of flourishing, even now, in our hearts, through our work, right? When we work in this world, trusting in Jesus, he actually brings little bits of good to flower in our world, right? Uh, and so that's what we hope to be as a church, right? People who are, are living who are working while trusting Jesus and his love and his goodness is coming through us, changing things, making them to flourish, okay? So what we wanna see, the adults in the room have heard this uh, before. Hey, my kids, real quick, don't talk while it's going on, okay? Cool? Love you. All right, all of Athens flourishing in faith, justice, and compassion. That's what we long to see. 
That's what we long to see. All of Athens flourishing in faith, in justice, and compassion, right? God's people are always supposed to be thinking like that. But it hasn't always worked out that way. So we're diving into this book together of Micah. He's a prophet, right? Uh, and we're looking at what's good. And we're literally asking the question, uh, Micah answers it. Uh, Clara already read it for us. He tells us what's good, what the Lord requires of us, right? flourishing in faith, justice, and compassion. It kind of overlaps uh, with it, right? I was talking to some friends recently. We were doing some premarital counseling uh, with some folks, and they were saying that uh, there was a, a brother-in-law or something that typically starts conversations about, like, just, yo, what's good, right? And uh, the, the folks were saying, like, uh, I, don't, I didn't really know what to do with that. I'm, I don't really start conversations that way. And he just, he just says, what's good? And I'm like, good, I don't know, good things, right? Which made me realize that uh, there's a really good friend that I start conversations with all the time like that, <laughs> right? It's like, what's good? What's going on? How you doing, right? And so I, I, I wanted us to, to lean into that a little bit, right? When we think about what's going on, how you doing? Where is God taking everything? What's good, right? That's where he's bringing it, right? And so we're here in Micah, uh, a prophet, right? Let's just go over this real fast, just in case. Prophet speaks God's words to God's people. A prophet is not the same thing as a pastor, although a pastor is a prophetic role, right? So I just said, hey, I think the Lord's taking us somewhere, but uh, it's not inerrant. Prophet's words are inerrant, right? Prophet is literally speaking to God's people on God's behalf, inerrant words, right? And so we're usually seeing prophets in the Bible uh, because God's people are going in a bad direction of some sort, right? Which means deciding what is good for themselves. And in Micah's days, it's pretty bad. Uh, the rich are essentially stealing land from the poor. And then you also have uh, the prophets that are there. They are not speaking God's words to the people. They're speaking their own words, whatever they think is good, right? Uh, the prophets, the priests who are supposed to represent the people to God, uh, the kings, those who are supposed to represent God's rule and reign, the leaders who are just uh, uh, the people who have more wealth, who have more stature in Micah's time, they're all bad. He confronts all of them, right? They're not leading the people back to God. And when I say they're all bad, I mean the categories here, they're all going in the direction of, of badness, <laughs> away from God. Micah actually prophesies at the same time as Isaiah. So it's not to say that literally every person who's prophesying is bad. Isaiah was awesome, right? So God sent these prophets. Uh, Isaiah, obviously, you might know a little better. He's got a bigger book. He takes up a little more real estate uh, within the Old Testament, within the Bible, Micah is one of the minor prophets, which doesn't mean he's minor, it means a smaller book, right? So they're speaking into the same time period. If you know some about Isaiah, you may start to see some of the same themes as well. Uh, prophets, though, are a little hard to read. I don't blame you if you have not done a whole lot of uh, morning time in the scriptures, in the prophets, especially the minor prophets, right? Not a whole lot of folks are digging into those. They're hard to read. 
Martin Luther himself said, the prophets have an odd way of talking, like people who, instead of proceeding in an orderly manner, ramble off from one thing to the next so that you cannot make head or tail of them or see what they're getting at. Often the prophets kind of seem to start in the middle of the story. But think about this. Lots of stories do that. Here's one. All right, kids, listen up to this one. You might know this one. What story starts like this? Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, do you know what story that might be? Yeah, what is it? Harry Potter, right? At the very beginning, Harry Potter does not start off with uh, the whole origin of Harry, does it? It doesn't start off with, here's who he is, and here's where he came from. No, it's a mystery that's unraveled throughout all these books, right? Uh, And songs and poems do this too, don't they? Kind of start in the middle. As one of our own prophets has said, I woke up in an El Camino six six feet on the leather seats, right? You, You arrive in the middle of the story there, and you know there's something deeper, there's something going on. Okay, preach. Now I'm preaching, right? The prophets also, so they do that kind of thing. The prophets also switch who is speaking without telling you. Uh, But again, books do this too, don't they? Uh, When we're reading them, we have quotation marks that can help set things apart. Sometimes it's a little hard to see, but we, we get it. Songs and poems do this too. If we can learn songs, if we can learn stories, then we can read prophets. So, over the next four weeks, the goal is to make this make sense, all right? It won't be too hard, I think. Uh, Micah, though, is different, different even than other prophets. He bounces back and forth even more. Uh, and so, uh, what you see a lot of times is uh, prophets will have sort of hard things over and over and over again, a whole section, and then more hopeful things over and over, a whole section, Uh, Micah bounces back and forth between the hard, the difficult things to say, like, hey, judgment might be coming or is coming, uh, and hopeful things uh, much more than the others, right? So what we're not going to do is just kind of charge through like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Instead, we're going to look at different parts of the book uh, and see the theme of it as a whole. Micah tells us what the whole book is about basically uh, in our verse from today from chapter six, not chapter one, chapter six, right? Uh, that uh, God has shown us what's good, shown us what's uh, required. And so here's the big overarching thought for Micah, right? God has shown you what's good. uh, And he's speaking to, remember, this covenant people of Israel and Judah, right? God has shown us what is good. Instead, you've made life hard for the people who don't have as much. Then, therefore, huge consequences are coming. And lastly, God still promises, even amidst all this, right, to bless, to give his love, to give his presence to a, a, a remnant, those who will still trust him, love him uh, in the days to come. And so today we're talking about uh, that first part, the path of good. God has shown you what's good. All right, so three things. Again, uh, It's kind of wild to me how much this passage, this one verse, uh, just overlaps with what we've been talking about in terms of flourishing and what we long to see happen 
here in Athens. This is not a plan uh, at all. I'm not trying to squeeze in vision on you or make uh, the Bible fit our branding in any way. Uh, this just is where we were going, and I realized, like, oh, man, this overlaps, hopefully, because it's just biblical. But here's the thing. Goodness is flourishing in faith. Goodness is flourishing in compassion. Goodness is flourishing in justice. We'll step back through these uh, real quick. Goodness is flourishing in faith, right? Micah says, you are to walk humbly with your God, right? So what's he saying? Walk means to live your life. It's the metaphor often in scripture for the way that you live, right? So walk humbly with God, which means knowing that you are not God, right? We don't think too much of ourselves, but we don't think too little of ourselves. We know who we are, who God is, uh, and how others fit in that as well, right? Uh, Someone who is flourishing, who's doing better and better, who's getting better and better uh, in trusting God is saying, hey, you tell me what is good. I trust you. Trust. Walking humbly with God, learning to trust him more uh, means more than just saying like, oh yeah, that's good information. It sounds right. I believe it. Right? You may have heard this illustration many times before, but uh, if you look at this chair that has, I'm not sure if that's three legs, two legs, or just one leg. The angle of it makes it a little, one would be hard to stand up, but what do you think? Would you sit in that chair? No. You wouldn't? Why not? That's a good point. It wouldn't be stable enough, right? Very few of us would have trust in that chair, would have faith that that chair would hold us, right? Uh, And so what is being said here, to flourish in faith, right? Uh, To grow more and more in trusting the Lord uh, with humility uh, is that uh, I believe in that chair enough to sit in it. I believe that God tells the truth enough to follow him. He defines what is good. So goodness is flourishing in trusting the one who is good. Goodness is is flourishing in faith. Goodness, second thing, is flourishing in compassion. Goodness is flourishing in compassion. He says, love mercy, right? We walk humbly, we love mercy. And if we were uh, translating more literally, it would be like, love, love. (laughs) What is good? What does the Lord require of you? Love some love, right? Yeah. Uh, And this idea uh, is It's a Hebrew word that we don't have a real good translation for. It's chesed. It's God's covenant love. The best translation is Sally Lloyd-Jones, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Y'all ever read the Jesus Storybook Bible? Yeah, come on, Sally Lloyd. Okay, Uh, right? There you go, yeah. She calls it what? God's never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. Right? When, when God uh, comes into covenant with the people, it's a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. And this, uh, you see these pictures up here from one of the best stories in the whole Bible and definitely one of the best stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible as well. Do you, do you recognize what story that would be? Yeah. That's okay. I think you were onto it. I think your, your mouth just said something different. What were you going to say? That's right, the boy who ran away from home. I'm gonna be honest, 
I like you calling it that even more than the prodigal son. Uh, because uh, as Tim Keller says, the prodigalness is the love of the father. That's what's truly prodigal and overwhelming. And so what's happened? The son has gone away. He said, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go live the way I want to. I'm going to decide what is good. And he spoils it. He spends it all. And uh, he's eating out of a pigsty and says, man, I could just go be a servant at my father's house. Even the servants eat better than this. So he starts walking back home. And what's the father doing here? What's he doing up top? Running. He's been looking for him. He's running to get him. And he embraces him. He hugs him. It doesn't matter what you've done. I love you. Always and forever. Never stopping. Never giving up. That's what Chesed is. That's what uh, Micah is saying. We love this kind of love that God has given to us. We love this kind of compassion, right? Uh, The people, uh, as people of God, we are to remember Right, this love, and then take it out as well. Right? We're to remember God's love for us is never stopping, never giving up. He pours it out on us again and again and again. And so we're to love in return, love God back, and love others as ourselves, never stopping. And the idea here, again, is this is flourishing in that love, right? It's not perfect, You still have sin. You still mess up in this life, right? But you're increasing more and more. You're learning to love others the way that that father does his son, the way that God does for us, like a a flower blooming in love. And so goodness is flourishing in love, is flourishing in faith, and last thing, goodness is flourishing in justice, right? So he says, act justly, love uh, this never stopping, never giving up love. Walk humbly with your God. To act justly or do justly, right, is what happens when you know God, trust God, rehearse the wonder of God's love for you to your heart over and over and over. We trust God. We flourish uh, in faith. We love God. We're flourishing uh, in compassion, and we're rehearsing the reality of his love over ourselves again and again and again, and what happens? Justice. Justice is just what comes out from that kind of heart. Right now, you think about justice, you may think of a, a judge, a courtroom, right? Somebody who says, you gotta pay a fine, I'm new to town. I don't know the traffic laws. I've had two traffic tickets already. It's from those like picture-taken ones. It's not super fun. But the Bible says uh, that justice is not just that, right? It's not just accidentally going a little too fast or taking a right turn where you really should be able to take a right turn. No, justice is, right? It's not just from a courtroom. It's also something that anyone can be a part of. Anyone. And so... The word where uh, Micah says, act justly or do justice, the word is, is called, it's mishpat. It's this Hebrew word that means to give someone what they are due. All right. You think of do. We got a lot of homeschool kids here. They might not know this word. My kids might not. But when the homework is due, right? What's that mean? Done? Okay. I see a hand back here. Jeremiah, were you going to 
It's over with? Yeah, yeah. Stone, were you going to say something? Okay, yeah, yeah. This is great. Uh, so do means, right, it's a report or a project or something. It's something you must give, right? It's due. Now, <laughs> maybe you can get a little leeway with that, but it's due, right? And the Bible talks about what is due to other people a lot. Here are a couple examples. James 2, 15 to 16. Suppose, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does not, does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? They're due something. We owe others something. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. And so this is goodness. And God has graciously given people a witness of goodness and love amidst our brokenness and sin. And his name is Jesus. Jesus, who's perfectly flourishing in faith? Jesus. He trusted his father perfectly. We see it in the garden. May this cup pass, right? If, it, if there's any other way. And yet, not my will, but thine be done. Who's perfectly flourishing in compassion? Jesus. He goes to that cross, right? He's willing to go because of his never stopping, never giving up love. Who perfectly flourishes in justice? Jesus. He's constantly in his incarnation looking after people that others are treating badly, that the society is treating badly, and he's coming again to bring the fullness of his justice to this earth one day. Uh, he, God told and showed his people in the Old testament before jesus what goodness was but now we get to see it in full and so jesus defines uh, goodness and is making all things good through a people he unites to himself the bible says by faith you have been saved by grace you've been saved through faith this is not of yourselves it's the gift of god it's not by works so no one can boast for we are God's handiwork, or you might say masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if we trust the good news of Jesus, the Bible says we are united to him. We're in him, and he is in us. And if we're united, he promises uh, to make things good, to make good itself in and through us. Our works are planned out. Paul says in Ephesians, right? They're planned out ahead of time. And so the same way that we look at our, our lives and our character from our last series in the Fruit of the Spirit, and we say, okay, am I following God? Am I producing uh, the fruit of his love, the fruit of his spirit? Am I looking more and more like these things? Uh, we also need to look at the work of our lives and say, am I like this blooming flower? Am I more and more becoming like Jesus? Am I more and more one who trusts him? Right? Enough to sit down, <laughs> enough to follow him. Am I more and more uh, one who loves his love, who can't get enough thinking about, singing about, 
talking about the good news of Jesus? Am I more and more uh, one who applies the beautiful reality of his good news through my voice, what I say, through my work, what I do, through my relationships, how I love, bringing restoration, that flourishing that God does through us as we trust in him in every sphere of life, which is everywhere that I go. Uh, there's a little story by J.R.R. Tolkien uh, that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a short story that's basically about uh, his frustration with his work and how he, he couldn't get uh, his work done and he was thinking about dying. Uh, and he wrote a short story about this artist who spent tons of time painting this one little leaf. And he had this huge vision of a beautiful tree. You could see it perfectly in his mind uh, with the roots and all the branches and these beautiful leaves that were all different, but he just barely got anything done in his lifetime. And then he goes to the new heavens, to the new earth. And he does not merely see that the tree is finished, but the tree is finished and more beautiful than he ever imagined, and it's real. I think it's a great thought for us as we step forward as those who seek to do justly, love God's never stopping, never ending, always and forever love, and walking humbly with him. As we doodle on our little leaf in this life, he promises to bring his good in and through it and to bring something that is fuller and realer than we could ever imagine. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we long for that to be true. So often in our lives, uh, we feel discouraged. We feel like uh, we maybe aren't making a difference. Um, we hope. <laughs> we hope that you're working in us. And by that, I mean a non-biblical definition. We wish, we think, maybe. Uh, but you call us to a real hope, a real confidence. And so as we have opened your word, heard it read, heard it preached, preached it ourselves even, as we've prayed, as we've sung, as we will continue to do those things, as we uh, come to your table and rehearse the good news and our union and fellowship with you at your table. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work. We've prayed a lot over the past month that you would produce the fruit of your love in our lives. And so we pray also that it would be a love that moves out, that it would be a love that has care and compassion for others uh, in a way that is uh, not just words, but tangible, that brings your justice. And we pray these things not because we're good people who get it, get justice, unlike others. No, we don't. But we're in you. And we long for you to come and manifest all of your glory in and through your church here and now. And you told us to come. So we lean into this now. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.